Hello, Common Shapes listeners. Cody here, just popping in to tell you that starting April 2nd, the next season of Flexible Office begins. So if you have been dreaming of a digital accountability space, an experimental co-working portal, Flexible Office is the place for you. We're in our third year of flexible office. So for many of you, it's a coming back. And for some of you, it's your first time. We kick off on April 2nd with a visioning and goal setting session. And then we meet every Tuesday and Thursday for two hours through May 30th. We start at 8 a.m. PST or 11 a.m. EST. And it's a space to fold your laundry, do your taxes, call your Congress people. Mm, write a novel, write a self-help book, make a zine, update your website, anything you dream of, right? There's no wrong task at Flexible Office. So head to the show notes to grab the link or check out CodyCookParrot.com to find all the details about Flexible Office. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to Common Shapes, a podcast about practices, systems, and rituals for a creative life. You're tuned in to season two, episode two, and today we're going to talk about the personal essay. So first of all, thank you to everyone who tuned into season one and tuned back in to season two and listened to last week's episode about leaving Instagram. It felt like sort of the perfect journey to bring us from Instagram to the art of the personal essay, which is a framework that really allowed me to leave Instagram. So before we fully jump in, I'll mention, as I always do, the creative ideation portal. If you're wanting to start a project or a container that can hold your personal essays, so maybe that's a newsletter or a book or a chat book or an anthology of sorts, the creative ideation portal is a three-day visioning guide. It's free. It's a beautiful notion template with a project database. It's really fun and easy to use. You can grab it in the show notes or at marleygrace.space slash common shapes. So before we even start talking about the personal essay, maybe you already know that you have them in you and you need to build the scaffolding to have a project that can hold them. Check that out. So I want to talk about my own journey with writing essays and sharing them publicly to the people. And I also want to talk about how that allowed me to leave social media and also talk a little bit about monetizing that practice. And, you know, spoiler alert, I am teaching a class about this called Writing the Personal. So if you're listening in real time when this episode comes out, that class starts Sunday, December 3rd. 
It is taught with guest teachers Fariha Roshin and Anna Fusco. It's three Sundays in a row. It's going to be really special. I'll let you grab the link to that in the show notes or at marleygrace.space slash common shapes where all the links live or just on the homepage at marleygrace.space. So I am teaching a class about it, but more importantly, I just want to give you my backstory and my reason for loving personal essays, whether you ever take class or not. This is the episode for you. I want to start actually with a quote from Melissa Phoebos from her book, Body Work, absolutely one of my favorite books. And this is from the opening essay, which is called In Praise of Navel Gazing. She says, no, my resistance to and bias against memoir was not based in any lived experience as a writer or a reader. It was my own internalized sexism, calling from inside the house to warn me away from telling my own story, because doing so might free me from shame and replace the onus of change onto the society in which we live. So... If you're listening and you're like, I don't know, Mar, like, I don't really know if like telling my personal story matters or there's, there's so many people with newsletters and substacks and books and poems and, you know, why add to the cacophony of noise of the personal essay? And I wonder how much that's rooted in systems of oppression. Like, I wonder how much that is the actual noise or the reality that we were told at some point that if we tell our personal stories, we will be punished and it's not good. And, you know, the main story to be told is that of like the white cis heteronormative patriarchy, right? And so, I would guess most listeners of Common Shapes are here to resist that. And I think that one way to resist that is to write personal memoir, narrative, nonfiction, and share it with the people. You can write your morning pages forever, but today I want you to share your writing with the people. And you can do that in so many different ways. If you have social media and you just feel like you want to practice and write something shorter, you can absolutely write a caption for Instagram or for TikTok. I really sound old when I talk about TikTok because I've just, I don't have that and I've never used that. And I know that for many of you, it works. And I love that. Anyways, so making a caption, writing a flyer and taping it up on the wall, even in your own house, maybe something like that, right? There's so many options for just practicing and just low stakes sharing. And I'd also maybe even argue that the newsletter format can be low stakes, even if you have a lot of subscribers or maybe you're brand new to it and you just have a couple subscribers. I want you to get comfortable practicing the personal essay and sharing it. Now, I also don't think you have to be a writer to start dipping in to writing. Okay, hear me out. Let's say you are launching an Etsy store filled with quilts, right? Let's say you have a production-based, product-based business, 
or you are an herbalist and have one-on-one clients, right? So there's so many different business models that are out there for the artist, the cultural worker, the writer, the thinker, the crafter, but I love to see personal stories woven in to the marketing, the promotion, the material that is channeled from the creator to the consumer, right? Personal story is how I might decide between one line of tinctures and another, right? I think of like my friend Jade, who's company is called 69 Herbs. It's like even the name, you're like, okay, I love that. And, you know, are all alcohol-free glycerin-based tinctures that are specifically, you know, made for trans and queer people. Like the stories that they tell around their life as an anti-Zionist Jewish person and their dedication to a free Palestine and the way that they weave in their politics and their opinions and their, you know, deep devotion to trans liberation and queer abundance. Like they don't have to tell me the story of who they're dating and what their life is like and where they live. And it's like they're wrapping in their identities and their personal story into the work, whether that's an Instagram caption or a newsletter. It's just the storytelling around the products that make me feel energetically aligned with taking that herbal medicine. Right. So that's not exactly a personal essay, but that is an example of personal storytelling and weaving together the political, the prose, the personal, so that me, the person who's going to buy or interact or support their work, feels the alignment of that. I so often talk about Liz Miliarelli of Sister Spinster, another herbalist example. I just got her email the other day and something that she said was something like, everything I do is dedicated to the fall of empire. And at the time of this recording, we're in a news cycle and, you know, a world event of a genocide happening in Gaza right now. And it's something that I've written about in my newsletter and talked about and, you know, we'll bring just here briefly just to say, you know, I love that we don't have to have a solution offered. This was something I was reminded of that Maryam Kaba, who's an abolitionist and writer and activist, talks about, and Nicole Antoinette mentioned this in her newsletter recently, was it can be enough to say, not this. Like when someone talks about abolition and wanting to abolish prisons and the prison industrial complex, and someone comes back and is like, well, what are you going to replace it with? It's like, okay, well, I'm, I, I didn't build the system, so I might not have a system to replace it yet, but I'm still allowed to say, not this. And for me, it's really like, not colonialism, not apartheid, not empire, not 
genocide, you know, not stealing land. You know, these are the things that I believe in, and I don't necessarily have the solutions for them, but that's where my politics stand and align. And so, yeah, I just, you know, I don't usually place us in real time on common shapes. And I think you might see more of that this this season, season two of Common Shapes. Season one was very like, you could maybe listen to it at any time. And I wasn't necessarily referencing current events or like what was happening outside of the podcast realm. But that's something I feel more dedicated to doing, I think, especially without Instagram. And it's interesting because I do think that the podcast as a format has a longer shelf life and a farther reach than, you know, an Instagram story that maybe a thousand people see. So I just wanted to name some of that and just name that I think we're seeing something happening right now where people are choosing to speak and some people are choosing not to speak. And I'm actually not going to name that as good or bad. I'm going to keep talking about my personal experience, but what I want and what I hope the class that I'm teaching, Writing the Personal, does and what this podcast episode helps you see is figuring out what it is that you are in alignment with and what it is that you're devoted to. This also, if you again, if you want to grab the creative ideation portal, we go through this in there a little bit too, is like, what do you want to bring forth to the world? And so I think another question that we might be asking ourselves is like, what are we afraid of? And then the next question is, what are we willing to lose? Like, what are we really willing to lose? And that could be income, subscribers. And this could be the personal essay that talks about a person who maybe isn't happy that you're writing about them, even if you never mention them by name. It could be people who don't align with the way that you're talking about current events. This absolutely happened to me with my newsletter. I had a lot of people unsubscribe, a lot of people push back on the way that I was talking about things. And we're seeing a lot of judgment. We're seeing a lot of judgment, I think, between the left and people saying like, this is the way you have to do it. This is how you need to do it. So I promise I won't be prescriptive and tell you how to do it. I'll just keep sort of unweaving and unwinding how I do it. But I think what helps in the face of fear and confusion and not understanding what to do or what to say is to really look at what do the people in my life who I'm inspired by say and do and how are they interacting with this current event, this life event, this thing that feels really big right now, right? So for me, for instance, like, Dr. Angela Davis is a writer, an activist, a person that I definitely look towards when I want to know more about what I want to know more about, right? And so in current times, she's someone who's written so much about the link between abolition and Palestine and the other, you know, movements that I believe in deeply. And so she's she's a thinker that I'm definitely paying attention to the talks that she's giving right now or the things that she's writing about right now, right? She's someone who so beautifully weaves together the political and the personal in the form of book writing and essays and literature. So I think about, you know, the movements that 
arise out of these moments. I'm deeply inspired by Jewish Voice for Peace right now, as well as the my friend, not only the organization as a whole and the direct action that they're taking to demand a ceasefire now, but I'm really inspired by my friends who are writing through that lens. And they were a guest on the podcast last season. They made the art for this podcast, but I have to shout out their newsletter on Substack. Lucasa Bramfman Verissimo has done an amazing job writing about this time in addition to their activism and action. But it is the writing about this time. You know, Faria, who I'm teaching the class with, her writing about this time. Ayana Zaire Cotton, also, they're writing about this time. There are just so many amazing writers writing personal essays that do not shy away from what is happening in the world right now. And I'd love to also then point to another past guest of the show and my other co-teacher, Anna Fusco, who I feel like so beautifully has set boundaries for herself around what she shares on social media or in her newsletter, while also naming clearly her desire for an end to the war and a call for ceasefire, but not weaving it into a think piece. And I really believe that not every writer needs to do that. We don't all need to write a big think piece about what's happening at all times about every single thing. And for me, part of how I decide what I weave into the personal essay is what are my closest beloveds going through? How can I support them? How can I support the movements they support? Or what am I going through as a queer person, as a non-binary person, as a person socialized female as a person living rurally, living alone, unpartnered, you know, the many different identities that make up my own life being sober, you know, through the lens of my whiteness, you know, what do, what do I need to unpack? What do I need to bring forward? Where does my silence serve the people and where is it time to speak up? So these are the kinds of questions I'm asking when I'm making a personal essay and wanting to weave in the political. I am deeply a learner, a student of this craft. I have a smile on my face when I say this is something I've been doing since, I mean, really since 2010 when I started writing essays and sharing them publicly on the internet. So for the last 13 years, and I would say really since like 2017, I feel like, and then, but then there are these waves. These are these waves of being radicalized where we jump through a new level in the, in life and become more and more willing to speak up, to say something. And we become more and more willing to get it wrong, to get it wrong and say, yeah, I could have done that differently. I could have done that better. I could have talked about that differently. I could have used more of my platform. I could have talked more about this thing that was happening. I could have talked less about this thing and more about this other thing, right? And especially when there's the overlap of your students and your readers, that's going to maybe be tricky. 
you're going to maybe run into something there where you might disappoint people. And sometimes when we're really in alignment with ourselves, we lose people. We lose subscribers. We lose readers. We lose students, right? And we, we're asking ourselves, what are we willing to lose to stand on the right side of history? So that's something that only you can answer for yourself. And I will keep doing my best to answer it for myself. So what the hell do we write about? What the hell do we even write about, right? When it comes to the personal and the poetic, what do we want to say? Do we want to write about love? Do we want to write about art? Do we want to write about our ancestral lineage? Do we want to write about our identities or the identities of those who came before us? Do we want to write about plants and nature? There's so many things to write about. And there's so many things to write about through the lens of ourselves. And, you know, it kind of brings me back to this, even just the title of the essay in praise of navel gazing. You know, I feel like there's maybe a fear of this looks like I'm obsessed with myself. And yeah. It might look like that to some people. I, I've definitely seen more than one comment in my life that my writing is narcissistic or that my books are self-indulgent. And I don't know if we can be writers and artists without deeply thinking about ourselves, right? But the trick to me is always to be reorienting to knowing that my work is of service to the people and to the world. And just by existing, it is. It doesn't have to be like, here is the gift and the lesson. It can just be, here is an essay about my personal experience as a human. And someone else could read that and think, wow, I am not alone in the world. And there we go. That essay was of service. So yes, I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about myself when I'm writing and when I'm making art. And I'm also not thinking about myself, right? I think that's like the other loop. I was just talking to a friend who did a two-week artist residency, and she was saying, you know, while she was painting, she was sort of flipping between this like, I am a masterful painter and amazing, and then being like, this is shit. This is absolute shit. And I really feel that when I'm going through my writing, just being like, yes, this is so beautiful. I'm a genius. And then rereading it, being like, no one can ever see this. This is absolute trash. So I think there's this dance that we do, right? We're like learning the choreography of how to dance with the self and dance with the audience and dance with others to say, yes, this is my work. This is my life and to craft it for the reader at the same time. So I want to talk about having a container and how having a container can help us figure out what we want to write about. As much as I think writing requires writing, I also think that writing requires a container, especially for those of us who are ADHD or neurodivergent. I think that having a newsletter or a zine or a book 
or an article that you're going to write for another outlet is all going to give you the shape to make that offering, right? Using that language again, the shapes of our offerings. And I want you to pick one because it's going to help you have somewhere to put the writing. It's going to help you have somewhere to put the personal essay. And again, we talked about like light practicing, like an Instagram caption or making a list and taping it to the wall somewhere. But I want us to start thinking about the personal essay as a public offering. And so this is where for me, you know, I literally named my newsletter Monday, Monday, so that I had to put it out every Monday. But it's like Mondays are my sacred time. I don't really schedule anything else before noon on Mondays so that I can just go in, make it happen, write the essay, collect the links, craft it all. You know, I'll maybe tinker with it throughout the week, but come Monday, it's getting finished, it's getting complete, and it's being sent out. And so the newsletter container also exists so that if a Thursday rolls around and I know I really need to say something, I'm allowed to send another newsletter, right? So whether you have a newsletter like Substack that's coming out regularly or just email marketing on Flowdesk or MailChimp or wherever, having that container is going to give you a place to put these personal essays. And again, a zine, a self-published book. I used Lulu to create my self-published book about Friendship Village, my former community radio show of music and advice. You can get the book. It's on my online shop. I'll link it in the show notes. Self-published make a zine, go to your local print shop, have them print it. If you're like, I don't know how the hell to lay it out. At least the place that I used to use in Grand Rapids, they laid it out for me. They were like, oh, we can figure this out. And it took them five seconds, right? And so try not to let these things stop you from creating the container to put the personal essays. Now, again, there's so much you can write about. I know you'll find something. You'll weave it all together. It's going to be beautiful. I can't wait to read your personal essays. That's what I'll say about that for now. I want to move a little bit towards how the personal essay let me leave Instagram. I talked a little bit about this last week, but I really feel like in order to leave Instagram, you have to have another place where you tell people what you are doing or you need another place that is making money that doesn't require you to tell people on Instagram where the money is coming from. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing. I'm like staring at this tree right now, just like like me and the tree are trying to make sense of Instagram. It's like not to be like leaves Instagram once, but it's truly like I'm now leaving Instagram. It's like my brain cells are really starting to work again. And I'm like transfixed by this leaf that's like stuck in this beautiful bush of these red berries. And here I am like talking about Instagram. It's like, I don't even want to talk about Instagram, but I'm going to because it is related to the personal essay. So I've been writing these essays in my newsletter since 2017. I had I started my newsletter in 2012, but from 2012 to 2017, it was a little more just like 
in the email marketing realm. You know, I would send announcements when I would have a sale at the shop or when something new would come out. But in 2017, I really started writing these essays and sharing links in addition to promoting what I was doing. So I really spent that time cultivating this practice of synthesizing my life and sharing it with the people. Now, you don't have to do that every week. You could do that once a month. You could do that once every other month. You could just try it once and see how it feels, right? But I started doing that and my newsletter, when it moved over to Substack, definitely hit like a level of growth that I hadn't seen before, right? So a lot of people started sharing it more, the network there of other writers finding it, other writers and newsletters recommending it really sped up how many subscribers I had and how many readers I had and who was interacting with it. I also choose to monetize my newsletter. So two things happened that really allowed me to leave Instagram. One was I just felt, and this is like, and I, I mentioned this last week too, I don't think there's like a magic number. I don't think there's a magic number to like this many people means you can leave Instagram. I think only you can know that in terms of like, how many people do you need to fill a class or fill a membership recurring revenue structure? You Only you can know that. And so I think you can have 100 people on your newsletter and maybe 50 of them want to buy your $300 class, right? So who knows exactly how the numbers link up? And the reality is like, here we go ding, ding, lightning bolt. I bet I had enough two and a half years ago when I started my Substack with 8,000 subscribers, I could have left Instagram then. I truly believe I could have left it then. But I didn't. I stayed on for two and a half more years. And now I have 28,000 subscribers. But I I wouldn't say that that 20,000 person jump has equaled necessarily like that many more people taking my classes and things. Definitely it's gone up, but in some ways that stays steady and remains. The biggest difference is that a percentage of those free subscribers are also paying subscribers, right? So I have this recurring income that comes in every month that doesn't require me to overly manage it right? I keep sending out my free newsletter. I keep sending out a newsletter for the paid subscribers. They have access to our Friday threads. They have access to my advice column. Yes, yes. If you love this podcast, the best way to support it is to become a paid subscriber. You can go to marleygrace.substack.com, right? That is the home of the Common Shapes podcast. It's the home of the Monday Monday newsletter, the Yes Yes advice column. It's really where all of my reader and listener support comes from. So thank you for becoming a paid subscriber or for being one. It means the world to me. So what I'm saying is I got to numbers that felt correct to me. And this is where like, I can't tell you the magic numbers because only you know how much it costs to live the life you live, how much your rent is, what your cost of living is, what your bills are every month. I knew what I needed every month to break even and to make more than that. And once I got close to that, 
It wasn't exactly that. But once my Substack started feeling close to that, knowing that I use my newsletter to promote my other offerings like my classes, my books, etc., flexible office, I felt like I could leave. So, again, the art of the personal essay or synthesizing my personal experience and weaving it in with the offerings that I have on a space that was non-addictive for me to use is how I was able to leave Instagram. I couldn't just leave. I needed to put my art somewhere, right? You have to put your art somewhere. So if you have three gallery shows coming up and you know you're going to make $50,000 at each one and they're going to promote it on Instagram, you might be able to leave Instagram, right? You have another channel. You have another place where people are going to find your work, a physical art show hosted by a gallery that's going to send it to their collectors, right? That's a beautiful example for an artist, right? Maybe not for all of us, but there, there, there's that. There's an example, right? So I'm not saying it has to be another digital space. Maybe you are going to start teaching dance class at the community center where you live and the flyers that you're going to put up is enough and you're going to offer personal training to five people at a time, two times a week, right? The channel is the bulletin board. The space to promote yourself is that. Does that require a personal essay? No. But then wouldn't it be cool to have a newsletter where once a month you sent out where you were teaching the classes at the community center so that people can see? Maybe you even live stream them on Zoom. Maybe you offer the one-on-one training on Zoom. There's so many options. For a minimum of 20 years, I've been writing about my life, like writing about my life. I mean, I was nine years old when I first, which was 26 years ago, when I first literally started writing a memoir. I was like, and this is my life. Like, my ass right out of the gate was like, I will be writing about who I am in the world and how it all works. Like, you know, June 2nd, 1988, Mercury was retrograde. My ass got born with five planets in Gemini. I was ready to speak. I was ready to talk. I was ready to share my work with the world. Plus, being a manifester in human design, I'm here to inform. I'm here to make that impact. It was in alignment for me. So again, I'm sharing my story. It might not be as easy for you. It might feel really, really clunky and really, really hard, but I want you to try. I want you to create a container that the personal essay can exist in. And the personal essay can be three paragraphs. It can be one paragraph. It doesn't have to be five. It doesn't have to be 10. It doesn't have to be a full book. It just has to be something where you can start to put that energy into that's going to bring people into your world, put them in the ecosystem with you, and show them what it is that you have to offer and to give them. And in reality, what you have to sell to them, right? It's like, this is a little bit borrowed from Bear A Bear and from, I feel like Amelia talks about this on Off the Grid, but it's like, 
you know, commerce is not the same as capitalism. Like, how can we have this like gentle commerce that's not like extractive? Right. And this is part of it is like, we write the stories that we need to write. And I just kind of almost want to bring us all the way back to that original quote that I read from In Praise of Naval Gazing, the Melissa Phoebos essay in Bodywork, which is, you know, doing so might free me from shame. Whew. Getting to write about our experiences free us from shame and from guilt and from secrecy and from holding on to shit that we don't need. And don't forget about your morning pages. You know, I don't, I don't want to read your diary, but I want to read what comes after that. I want to read what's getting stitched up. You know what I mean? Like we, you hear that line, we don't write from the wound, we write from the scar. I don't think we need to fully, I don't think we need a full scar here. It's like, I want to see maybe the needle has like made a couple stitches through the wound at this point. Like, give me some of that. Let me know where you're at. Right. So. I hope that you write personal essays. I hope that they're beautiful. I hope you put them in books and newsletters. I hope you share your story and your views and what you're devoted to. I hope you share it in a podcast, right? In a newsletter, in a book. I'm saying the same thing over and over again because I'm that excited about your personal essays. So I'd love to see you in class. We start December 3rd. If not, I hope you loved listening to this episode. If you're listening to this episode in the future, check out the possibility of a recording of the class. Sometimes the recordings of classes are for sale at marleygrace.space. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you just have to wait till next time. It depends on the vibe of the package, right? Quilt class is always live. Some classes are recorded and sold later. So check back, but I'd love to see you there and... I'm just sending many, many blessings and peace and ease during this time. I hope that you are finding ways to rest in between your advocacy and your activism. I hope that you are finding ways to regulate your nervous system. I hope that you doom scroll less and call your senators more. I hope that your actions are in alignment with the world that you want to see and the world that you want to build. And thank you, as always, for being a listener of Common Shapes. This is an ad-free, listener-supported podcast, and the way that you can support this podcast is becoming a paid subscriber at marleygrace.substack.com. The music for this podcast is created by Saltbreaker. The art is by Lucasa Bramfman Verissimo. And podcast editing is by Amelia Fruby at Softer Sound Studio. If you want to leave a review or share this episode on social media or in your own newsletter, I would absolutely love it. Thank you so much for being a listener of Common Shapes. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>